Final reading this evening is also the text for our homily tonight. Uh, it is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. And he took unto him his wife, and he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. I doubt there are many of us who can understand, and I mean really, experientially understand, just what an intrusion Jesus was into Joseph's life. It is what Jesus was, of course, an intrusion. At Christmas time, we like to speak uh, of Jesus coming to earth in quietude and humility. He's that gentle, lowly Savior who creeps into creation. He sweetly dozes in the feeding trough. One of our children's Bibles puts it this way, as silent as snow falling he came, and when no one was looking in the darkness he came. It's a nice thought. It's not entirely accurate. At least not for Joseph. Jesus coming into Joseph's life was anything but silent, anything but unnoticed. It was an intrusion of the highest degree. I'm not saying that just to be edgy. Matthew himself draws our attention to Jesus' intrusion into the human story. We don't know much about Joseph. We didn't read the passage that comes before it, but if you're familiar, what we see before Joseph and the story of Mary and the baby Jesus is a genealogy, just a list of names. And there are a few interesting characters in that list, but even those interesting characters aside, it shows nothing but an impeccable line stretching directly from Abraham to Jesus, set off in perfect pairs of double sevens. All the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. It all marches along in regularity and order and sequence. And then the scandal. While they were yet engaged, before they had come together, the baby, 
intrusion. And Joseph perfectly arranged life, so full of peaceful obscurity, is scattered, shattered to pieces. This is not the kind of contingency plan that you uh, hope for as a young, soon-to-be husband. This is not the thing that you plan for or think through. And who knows what kind of conversation Joseph was able to have with Mary. Matthew doesn't record a conversation for us. It simply says she was found to be pregnant. And who found her? And how do they know? And how far along was she? We don't know. But whatever the circumstances, there is no turning back. This child is coming, and there is nothing Joseph can do. Now, from the little that Matthew does give us, we know that Joseph is a kind man. Joseph is a man of integrity and compassion, but he's not stupid. Whoever this child belongs to, it's not him. And this is not the kind of thing that you want to be wrapped up in because this is the kind of disgrace that will stick with you like tar wherever you go. Indeed, some 30-some years later, the Jews were still throwing it back in Jesus' face thinking they could dismiss him and they would say, we weren't born of sexual immorality. This is a scandal that followed Jesus around everywhere he went and Joseph knew it would follow him around. And just when we think that Joseph has thought his way clear of this intrusion, just when Joseph has come up with a plan, behold! It's not there in the King James, but there ought to be an exclamation point after that. That's the point. Behold, an angel, another intrusion. Not so fast, Joseph. God is calling you. God is going to use you. God has chosen you. And the angel says what angels always say, fear not, but it's different this time. Joseph is not afraid of this heavenly messenger robed in light. He is not cowering in fear before this heavenly being. Joseph is afraid of Mary. He's afraid of the baby. He is afraid of what it will mean to his life to call them his own. And that's what the angel tells Joseph to do. To call them his own, to take them for his own family. He gets two specific instructions. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And after you do, when the baby is born, you will give him a name. These are things that can't be hidden. These are public ceremonies. A wedding celebration with a pregnant wife. And five months later, and everybody's done the math, you show up in the temple with a baby that everyone knows is not your own. And you present him to the priest, and the sign of circumcision is applied, and the priest does what the priest always does. He looks up to find the father, and who will give this child a name? Is he yours? Will you claim him? What will you call him? These are things that can't be hidden. And Joseph is afraid of what Jesus' intrusion is going to mean for him. Joseph is afraid of the reproach that he will bear if he takes this woman and her child as his own. Folks, that's the way it still works. I know we sing it, and it sounds nice. This flower whose fragrance tender with sweetness fills the air dispels with glorious splendor the darkness everywhere. 
true man, yet very God. From sin and death, He saves us and lightens every load. And yet in many lives, Jesus comes in like a whirlwind. And He upends our quiet solitude and our self-satisfaction. He tells us that to follow Him means cross and discipline and mocking and scorn from the world. And many are afraid of what His intrusion into their life will mean. Some are afraid of what His intrusion will mean for their relationship with sin. We love our sin. We coddle our sin. We go to great lengths to hide our sin and deny our sin and protect our sin so that we can cling to our sin with white-knuckled fists. But if Jesus steps into my life, what will He call me to give up? What will He call me to repent of? How will my relationships change? What will that look like? What shameful secret indulgences will I be asked to give up? What hopes do I have for myself that I will have to abandon? What will I have to give up? And some are afraid. Others are afraid of the implications of believing in one who is proclaimed as having been born of a virgin, resurrected from the dead. He walked on water and he cast out demons and he healed men born blind, all in a pre-scientific age. And what will it mean for your respectable little worldview if you say that he is the one you trust in? Folks, you can multiply examples. The truth is, Jesus is often an intrusion into our lives. A fearful intrusion. A blessed intrusion. A glorious, life-giving, redeeming intrusion. He stepped into humanity to breathe life into dead souls and to wake those who sleep in the dust of sin and death. And to name Jesus as your own means nothing can ever be as it was before. All things must change. There's no dark corner in which to hide hopes of returning to life like it was before him. Jesus' conception in the, birth, in, the, uh, in the womb of the virgin was a miracle. A genuine, God-given miracle. And yet, just as miraculous was the obedience of Joseph, his earthly father. Joseph awoke. He did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. He took Mary. He named Jesus. He called them his own. How could he do it? How could he bear the intrusion of Jesus? How could God do it? How could he demand this of Joseph? How could the Lord call Joseph to carry this reproach that would come for being associated with him and connected to him unless, unless being connected to Jesus was worth more than all the reproach he would have to bear? Unless being connected to Jesus was worth more than everything he would ever be called to give up. Unless connection to Jesus was everything. So it is. We've heard tonight the story of mankind's fall into sin. And of God's great promise fulfilled for redemption. 
his Savior. The one who would come to crush the head of the serpent. The Savior who was proclaimed by men of old as they spoke by the Spirit. The Savior who came by the power of God into the world that he made. Intruding into his own creation. The Savior who bore the reproach of sin. Even though he had no sin of his own to speak of. And he bore that weight and he allowed that weight to crush him. And in his crushing, he set free those who will call him theirs. Those who will call him their Savior. Those who will say that he is their everything. I hope he's intruded into your life. I hope you've called him yours. Please join me in prayer. O Lord God of grace and mercy, condescending love and faithfulness, O God who keeps covenant steadfast love for generations and whose mercy is for all those who fear you, we come to you proclaiming that Jesus is our all and our everything. We pray that each of us would cling tightly to Jesus. We would give up whatever else we hold on to, whatever else clouds our view of the Savior who has come into the world in the womb as a virgin. O Lord, as you are the God who works miracles, work miracles in our hearts, thank you for so many who sit here together in one body and proclaim that Jesus Christ is everything to them. All our hope, all our joy, all our peace in believing. O Lord, cause us to rejoice in your work and in your Son. Raise us up out of the dust of death. Give us hope in Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.